Well, hello, everybody who's listening. Hello. We have nothing quippy to start before I play the... Uh, the intro? The intro <laughs> every we time. Go. So here we go. All of You guys are listening to Oddity Files, the The podcast. podcast. We're a creepy, cryptid, otherworldly, snarky, um, storytelling, pretty much podcast. Yeah. So I added recently to my my socials where you're supposed to describe yourself Uh as storyteller. Ooh, that's good and accurate. Well, because we tell stories of ghosts we investigate. And we tell the stories of others. Exactly. And then I got the the get scared thing going on where I tell fucking awesome stories. The one that went up this week is by a friend of mine named Zach Daggy. And back when Chris and I were doing like the horror filmy stuff, Mm -hmm. um, we had filmed a short film for him from his book called Dark Worlds. And it, it turned out really neat. He he had paid to bring in actors and all this, yeah, yeah. that and the other. And um, so I got to read a, a different story from that book. So if you guys haven't checked it out, it's Get Scared Podcast, not Kit Scared, because apparently I sound like I'm saying Kit Scared. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about just these awesome freaking writers. Yeah, it is really cool. Yeah. And it gives stuff. them a good platform like to come forward because... Sadly, there aren't enough. No, platforms. there really aren't. Yeah, there really aren't. Um. Oh, I do have an announcement. Ooh. So in March, I should probably bring up the actual date, but I am going to hang out with our good friend Tiffany Rice yes, from TiffanyRice.com. She's a, a spirit medium. We've both had readings from her. She is the real fucking deal. And she invited me to go to one of my bucket list locations with her. And she's going to do a one-hour reading, and it's super limited. It's like 10 people are allowed in, and everybody's guaranteed a reading from Tiffany and whoever comes to her. And then I'm going to lead an investigation with Tiff afterwards of yeah. Maplecroft. So cool. So those who don't know what Maplecroft is, everybody's heard of the Lizzie Borden bread, Bed and Breakfast. And the first time I actually went on a tour there, they're like, well, after everything was all said and done... Lizzie went on to be Liz Beth, mm-hmm. and she bought a house called Maplecroft up on the hill. It was like her dream home. She lived this fucking fabulous life. Yes, she did. Hanging out with theater actors and partying all the time. And when they told me that story, I'm like, oh, that's where I want to investigate. I don't even want to go to the Lizzie Borden yeah. house. I want to go to Maplecroft. So dreams are coming true. <laughs> Super excited. It's Wednesday, March 18th. 2020, and it's up on the hill at Maplecroft. It's 306 French Street in Fall River, Massachusetts. Only t- 10 tickets are available. Words are fucking hard. And just go to TiffanyRice.com. Yeah. The event's listed on there. It's so close to selling out already. Really? Insane. That's awesome. Yeah. That really is cool. So yay. That was my shit I needed to talk about. What's <laughs> going on with you? Um, Not too much, really. It's no. been pretty... Pretty chill. Can't complain Good. about that. Um, like chill as in, we're going to talk about the temperature of your house. Oh. That's okay? Yeah, the house okay. has been okay. Because it's fucking um, cold out now. It is cold. Yeah. 
Um, it's just how we talked about earlier. Now they've just cranked the uh, the furnace up. So so you've lost 10 pounds. Right. And uh, <laughs> we'll see how that bill looks when it comes in. But, yeah. you know, to be determined. Um, but no, nothing like too crazy, which I'm not mad at. No. I feel like I, everything's just been nonstop recently. I so feel just like to you need like, that. Yeah. I, I felt like you've needed that for a hot minute. A long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. So you're just kind of hanging out, doing yeah. Clayton shit. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Um, also, one more thing I need to announce, um, just because KJ is a friend of both of ours, headed out to podcast with her this week for the Kind of Nerdy Girls podcast. Yeah. So she's like, well, you have to be here by this time, and I have to be done by this time, because she's going to call her Cat Whisperer. That's the most KJ thing. It's the most KJ thing ever. ever. And so I'm like intrigued at this point so you know i don't know that i've ever watched like the dog whisperer or anything right. like that i'm like how does this work i thought does it was she... when like there was a dog that like had bad behavior and they would come in and like that the, well one of her cats is bullying another cat <laughs> so, <laughs> of course um, yeah so i'm like so does she just like ask you questions and give you answers she's like no i'll like have the phone and she's like talking to somebody who's not there which is the cat so, yeah, I wanted to stay uh-huh. and witness Did you? that. No, oh. I didn't. It was late. And yeah. plus, it took me an hour and 40 minutes to get up that day. Whoa. Insane. Traffic. Ugh. Um, but yes, there's there are cat whispers that do phone conversations. Oh, of course there are. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was, like you said, the most KJ thing The most KJ ever. thing ever. Her, one of her cats <laughs> gets Reiki healed. She's actually a pet Reiki healer. Oh. My gosh. KJ shit. But check out her <laughs> podcast. It's kind of nerdy girls podcast. It's on all this stuff and all the things. Um, we talked about all kinds of fun stuff. And yeah. that's what we do. It's it's such a different podcast format than what we do yes, because we go in. We have our stories. We yep. have our news. And we're done. This, we just sit there and talk shit yep. for a couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good time. Funny story. Kind of paranormal in the newsy. Okay. Because last week we talked about the Washington Department of Transportation yes. and how they had spotted Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And you came to find out later that you would, after we were done podcasting, you pulled up the cameras and Bigfoot was still, still on there. there. So, Cars driving by, everything. Y- yeah. yeah. So that was debunked, if you will. Sure. Good job, Clayton. But And good job, them. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was talking about right. it. Um, but funny story, Bruce Campbell claimed to be said Bigfoot yes. on Twitter. So that man is insane, and we love him for it. And I really fucking hope it was him just standing there in, like, the Bigfoot pose. <laughs> that guy. Gotta love him. So those of you that are listening, this is everything's going to be on point, and we're going to get through this because we have three episodes to we record. We do have three to record today. <laughs> I'm off to Disney next week, and the following week, you're on the cruise again. Yep. Go see wah, wah, DJ Jimmy. Right. And, and you're taking your mom? I am. And she's super stoked. She's so excited. She's so, so... My mother is one of those people, she just loves cruising. Oh, yeah. And so she's just going to be in her element with her hat and her book. <laughs> and and her SPF 52. <laughs> <laughs> I lo- his mother is wonderful. She actually came out to our podcast in Louisville for the first time, wasn't it? No, she was oh, at the no, library. Oh, no, she surprised us at the library. Yes, yeah, that was wonderful. I love Leslie. Um, 
I guess we should kind of get to it. Yeah, huh? let's do it. Okay, so we've kind of discussed, we've got this kind of story, this kind of story, and this kind of story. So I am going to start with the cryptid. Perfect. Did you go first last week? Yes. Yes, I believe so. Yes. So this comes to us because April on Twitter, one of our listeners said, I can't believe you guys haven't done a story on the Mothman. And she's right, because I had to go through everything and we haven't. Yeah, we haven't. It's like we talk about Bigfoot all the time and several other cryptids all the time, but Mothman we never really cover. Um, But I actually know quite a bit about this cryptid, or so I thought I did. And I'm not, I don't even know why. But after doing this story, I I think I kind of figured out why. Okay. Um, But there's been so many stories over the years in like the actual legit news about it that I think that's where it all stems from. Even before I was into all this weird shit, I knew what the Mothman was. So again, a tweet from listener April asking why we've never done a story on this winged critter got me thinking would it wouldn't probably be such a bad idea and i was terrified you were going to do the story as well <laughs> so i'm about to tell you the story of the mothman and the story goes a little something like this on november 12 1966 five men who were digging a grave at a cemetery near clendon west virginia claimed to have seen a man like figure fly low from the trees over their heads This is often identified as the first known sighting of what became known later as the Mothman. But the one that got the most coverage, the story that got the most coverage and introduced by the world um, to the man that is a moth was the infamous Scarberry and Mallette's Mothman sighting on November 15th, 1966 in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Have you heard this story? I've not. Okay. It's a good one. Snots everywhere. (laughs) Um, On November 15th, 1966, two young couples were joyriding around in their black 1957 Chevy to a remote hangout spot north of Point Pleasant known as the TNT area. So... They, they both have the same last names, like cu- the couples did in the story. So I'm not sure if they were married back then. Okay. But they were going to, like, what I'm figuring is, like, make out point. Sure. I'm with you. Which is a TNT area, which is really fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> One of the couples was Lisa Scarberry and Roger Scarberry. And the other was Steve Millette and Mary Millette. When they got there next to the abandoned North Power Plant, so this TNT was near this, I don't know, it's this like whole abandoned area is kind of what I was picturing in my head. They suddenly saw two large red eyes which reflected the light from the car's headlights. Steve noticed it first and pointed it out to the group. That's when they are said to have noticed the glowing red eyes belong to a strange creature. They claim to have seen a gray man-like figure with wings go around the corner at the old power plant. So I kind of figure, picture it's like, you know, when they talk about shadow figures and ghosts, it kind of leans out and comes back in. They said that the creature didn't run, but wobbled. Okay, that's I, fair. I mean... I couldn't not leave that in because I pictured <laughs> like this little mothman like, yeah, well, that's, yeah. <laughs> wobbling around. Um, because it couldn't keep its balance. Yeah. So maybe it was drunk or maybe the power. I don't know. Just making shit up. Um, Linda described the creature as having 
circular, fiery red eyes and a body like a man, but with wings. They said the creature was about six or seven feet tall. I mean, that's a big difference. Is it six or is it seven or is it in the middle? Um, With wings folded against its back. Half man, half monster, she said. You could see the muscles in its legs. Yikes. Yeah. So the couples couldn't believe what they had seen. They quickly drove off onto Route 62. Linda yelled for Roger to hurry. The couples then saw the creature on a hill by a large billboard as they went around a curve. It spread its wings and went straight up into the air. Like superhero style is how I'm picturing I'm it. S- why is he called Mothman and not like Butterfly Man? You wait. Okay. There's a, actually okay. a really good reason. So freaked out, they started to drive back to town while they try and figure out what to do next. The girls wanted to go to the cops, of course. Mm-hmm. But the boys thought, oh, hell no. No one's going to believe us. Right. Right. Until they realized the freaking thing was following them. They were all terrified and kept yelling to the driver to go faster. The Mothman began gliding back and forth over the back end of their car. Freaking out. I would totally be freaking out. As they went along a straight stretch of road, they were going over 100 miles an hour, which is a lot for a 57 Chevy. (laughs) But the creature was still able to follow them. They saw it in the back window and saw the shadow go across the car as it flew. They couldn't get away from it. They could also hear the wings hitting the top of the car as they drove. Oh, my gosh. Those had to be some heavy fucking wings. It's even said that he left scratch marks on Roger's 57 Chevy. How dare he? I know. It squeaked like a big mouse, Mary said. Yeah. Cool. Um, They were able to get away from the Mothman. When they reached the edge of Point Pleasant, the creature just disappeared, veering off into a field as they went into town. Crazy. They drove back into town and parked at Tiny's Diner and decided to contact the police. I'm picturing them sitting around drinking milkshakes, you know. Sh- like in a movie. Oh, yeah. At like a very diner-esque building. Exactly. <laughs> like legit a scene yes. from Grease. Don't judge me. I'm going to picture, you know, the guys in leather jackets, the girls in poodle, poodle skirts. So anyway, the teens told their story to Deputy Millard Halstead. Um, they told police they saw a large winged creature whose eyes glowed red when the car headlights would pick it up. So it's not like it was always glowing red. It's like a deer. Yeah. Yeah. They described it as a flying man with 10 foot wings. Whoa. Following their car. <laughs> so, of course, Officer Hall, Deputy Halstead didn't believe a word Mm-mm. they fucking said, but knew that they weren't troublemakers and saw that they were genuinely terrified. And that's how I judge shit. Like when I see stuff on YouTube, right. I'm like, I want to know how the person filming it is reacting. So he actually went out to investigate their story. The couples drove back out to the TNT area with the deputy. Um, Millard shined a spotlight around the area, including the tree lines. Deputy Halstead is said to have heard strange static disturbances coming from his radio that he couldn't explain. Hmm. That piqued my interest. Yeah. Totally. Uh, But he found no sign of the creature itself, just the weird interference on his walkie-talkie-ish thing. So the following day, the sheriff, George Johnson, held a press conference, as people did back then. Now we just tweet about it. (laughs) (laughs) The local press began printing the story and named the creature Mothman, based on the comic book character from the Batman 
TV series that was very popular oh. in the 60s. I thought that was fucking cool. That is really cool. Steve Millette told the local newspaper, we understand people are laughing at us, but we wouldn't make up all this just so we would look like idiots. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a paraphrasing of the quote. I mean, Mothman is named after a comic book character. I'm still stuck on that. How did we not know that? It's know. funny that you even it's, asked where it came from. Um, needless to say, the news spread like wildfire. Loud, Large crowds had already gathered in the TNT area by the next night, as of course. Um, within the week, the papers had already named the creature and were picking up on similar sightings as well as speculating different explanations of what was going on. Hmm. Uh, the media storm continued throughout 1966 and 1967. The story was printed locally, nationally, and internationally. It went over the Associated Press wire and was even featured in the Pacific Stars and Stripes newspaper, which went out to the American troops in Vietnam. Whoa. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. So the Scarberry couple said that they experienced strange occurrences and poltergeist activity in their homes throughout 1966 and 1967. Odd. Is it a ghost of a Yeah. Yeah. Um, Linda claimed to have seen the creature many times, including once on the roof of their home. She said it seems like it doesn't want to hurt you, but it just wants to communicate with you. But more and more sightings were reported in the Point Pleasant area over the next year as a legend of the Mothman took shape. The Gettysburg Times reported eight additional sightings in the short span of three days following the first claims, including two volunteer firefighters who supposedly saw what they described as a very large bird with large red eyes. One sighting reported by Salem, West Virginia resident Newell Partridge told of strange patterns that appeared on his television screen one evening, followed by a mysterious sound just outside the home. So you've got the interference. Uh Uh-huh. And then, but it's just a sound. He sure, yeah, yeah. Ah, take it or leave it. Um, he shined a flashlight in the direction of the noise. Oh, I take that back. Partridge supposedly witnessed two red eyes resembling bicycle reflectors looking back at him. But just the eyes. Okay. Now, I'm not going to lie. Before I became a weirdo about all this shit, I had heard of the Mothman, but had nothing to do with West Virginia or Point Pleasant. I'm a Chicago girl, born and raised, and I remember clear as day when the Chicago sightings started. It started in 2011 and peaked in 2017. So that's a long period. Yeah. It still remains unknown whether the Chicago Mothman is a subspecies of the... (laughs) A subs- it's a yeah. stretch. <laughs> a subspecies of the West Virginia Mothman or the same species or the same dude. Who knows? Or whether it perhaps is just a heron caught in a garbage bag. Because there's actual video of Chicago sightings. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know what that is. It could be Mothman, but it could be Right. Well, 2011 to 2017, like, people absolutely just take videos of everything. Yes. Yes. One of the videos I saw was just like somebody on like a, a rooftop party. It's just like off in the distance. Nobody else is reacting to it, but he's like taking video going, what the fuck is that? (laughs) It's it's pretty good. In the city, moth folk are spotted all over, though most often by bodies of water. An anonymous witness claimed in 2017, we were watching and observing as the moon begins to transit while we heard a very loud scream. This sounded like a squeaky, like 
squeaky truck brakes, say that 10 times fast, that squeal when you're pressing hard on them, which everybody knows what that is. At first, we thought maybe it was a CTA bus or a big truck just stopping because their brakes needed to be changed. And we heard it again. This time it lasted for about three seconds, which unless you really need a brake change, that's not going to happen. Um, and the previous sounds were just super short and brief, like somebody stopping. I looked up to see a large object flying over the docks that stick out into Burnham Harbor from across the water. This object looked like a large black bat, but also had humanoid features such as pronounced arms and legs. Hmm. Another Chicago native who goes by Just Jeff had this to say to the Chicago reader. At first, I thought it was a bird, but none like I'd seen before because it was just so huge and the way it was flapping its wings. The longer I watched it, I was like, what the hell is that thing? It was freaky. A woman walking her dog claimed she encountered a creature standing in the park. She saw a large man, probably seven feet or taller, standing on the ground. According to the account published by Lon Strickler, it was solid black, but what really stood out were the large, and I do mean large, pair of wings that were folded behind him. Hmm. I'm walking my dog in a park. That's the last thing I want to see. Um, and then this account of a Chicago truck driver became public in just December 2019. And this... Next time we go to Rosemont, we're going to have to look for the goddamn Mothman. Um, I was at the airport picking up a load in Nippon. I was already cornered at a dock and was standing far from the truck smoking a cigarette while my truck was being loaded. I was looking towards the slopes in the direction of the tunnel, and that was when I noticed something that really looked like a large bird standing just outside the parking fence. It was not difficult to miss him because there were two lampposts nearby. He looked like a person with wings spread and fluttering. He walked away from the fence to the open field and then began to flap his wings and disappeared. So apparently this is one of several alleged Mothman sightings in Rosemont, Illinois. Sure. Which we are there all the time. Often. Yeah. Very often. Is just ever so slowly, is he making his way west? Um, I mean, if the guy would just chill out and have a conversation, maybe we could get answers because the one lady said he just wanted to communicate and we want answers, (laughs) answers. So there you have it, kids. Some of the stories of the Mothman and my computer auto-corrected every single Mothman to Motorman. Hence, I mean, not that I don't stumble anyway, (laughs) but I can't believe I didn't say Motorman once. My wingmen for this story were Wikipedia, allthatisinteresting.com. TheMothman.Fandom.com, NPR.org, and MysteriousUniverse.com. So there you have it. Some of the stories of Mothman. But, you know, there's the theory that Mothman is a – is the word harbinger right? But he he predicts doom in areas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I guess after this whole Point Pleasant thing, one of the – Bridges collapsed and killed like 40 plus Oh my people, gosh. Like right after that. I don't know. I can't think of anything that's happened in Chicago recently. Knock on wood. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so many interesting things. And you, you can't cover it all right. in one story. But that's my Cliff Notes version of the Mothman. Thank you so much, April, for suggesting that. Yes. Because I was struggling for stories. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm doing the Maury Island incident. Ooh. Are you familiar? No. So in 1947, Maury Island, it's one of the lesser known Washington State UFO occurrences, but it absolutely should be better known for several reasons. So it's probably the first incident where a witness claimed that a quote-unquote man in black intimidated him into silence. Now, we've heard that a hundred times. Yes, you know, that I somebody... love those stories. But this is like, if you look at dates, this is like the furthest back that I could find. Okay. And this one took place before, of course, the famous Roswell crash. So that was the first one that oh, people were like, oh, okay. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet there are a ton of similarities between the two. Moreover, the two military intelligence officers that were investigating the sightings died tragically before they could, like, give their accounts. What? Yeah, crazy. So, in 1947, a common hazard in the waters of the Puget Sound was logs that floated on its surface. They escaped from just, like, jams, you know, waiting to be turned into lumber at the nearby mills. Several men worked as an informal harbor patrol snagging these logs and taking them to the mills for salvage just like they gave you an additional fee if you just like went oh, okay. and picked up these, you know, kind of like people who pick up uh, scooters on the side of the exactly. road. <laughs> so Harold Dahl worked on one of these boats, and his supervisor on shore was Fred Chrisman. Dahl reported that on June twenty first, he was on his patrol boat with two men, his son, and their dog. So around two in the afternoon, Dahl's boat approached the east shore of Maury Island. Maury Island is now attached to Vashon Island by a causeway road and is about six miles west of Des Moines, Washington, if any of you are, you know, around there are familiar. I didn't even know there was a Des Moines, Washington. (laughs) Me either. Dahl looked into the sky and saw six floating objects about 2,000 feet above his boat. Oh. The the objects were made of some reflective metal, donut-shaped, and about 100 feet in diameter. Fuck! The center holes were about 25 feet in diameter. Dahl said that he saw round portholes and what he thought was an observation window. Five of the craft circled over the sixth, which lowered slowly, essentially. Mm -hmm. It stopped and hovered about 500 feet above the water. Dahl put to shore because he was afraid the center aircraft was going to crash into his boat. So once ashore, Dahl took several photos with his camera. The lower ship stayed in position for about five minutes with the others still circling above it. Yeah. One of the ships left the formation and moved down, touching the lower ships. The lower ship. The two kept contact for several minutes until Dahl said he heard a thud. Suddenly, thousands of pieces of what looked like newspaper dropped from the center ship. What? Most of the debris landed in the bay, although some hit the beach. Dahl recovered a few pieces, finding it was white and a lightweight metal. Nothing exploded. He heard a thud and then these things dropped. Like they were just releasing something. Along with the white metal, the ship dropped about 20 tons of dark metal, which he said looked like lava rock. When the lava rock hit the water, it was so hot that steam erupted. What? They took cover after several pieces landed on their boat, damaging it. Some debris hit his son in the arm, burning him, and another piece killed the dog. No, not the puppy! (laughs) No, I was like... Oh my god! What? After the rain of metal... The craft rose in the air and headed west out to sea, all of them together. Okay. Dahl went to his boat and tried to radio for help, but it did not work. They sailed back toward their dock, dropping the dog over the side as a burial at sea. Oh, puppy. (laughs) Dahl took his son to the hospital for treatment and then told his boss, Fred Chrisman, what had happened. 
Doll gave Crispin the camera, and when the prints were developed, they showed they showed the strange airships. Where are these pictures? However, the negatives have spots on them, which he compared to film damaged by exposure to radiation. Really? Yeah. So Crispin said that he did not believe Doll's story, but nevertheless, he went back to that island where he gathered up some random rock samples. He said that while he was there gathering rocks, an airship appear, appeared overhead. Get the fuck out. As if it this was This is the best UFO him. story ever. So, so well documented. Dahl told investigators that next morning, a man wearing a black suit visited him and suggested that they go to breakfast together. Ooh. Dahl drove his own car following the stranger's car to a restaurant. While they ate, the stranger asked no questions. Instead, he gave a detailed account of what had happened to Dahl that day. Oh, so he explained what yes. happened. The man in black warned Dahl that bad things would happen to Dahl and his family if he told anyone about the incident. What did the guy tell him? Classic, right? So Dahl and Chrisman, now both having seen these ships, yeah. sent a package to a publisher, Ray Palmer, in Chicago. The package contained a box of metal fragments, a statement about the strange incident on the 21st and 22nd of July. A few weeks later, Palm, Palmer contacted Kenneth Arnold, um, who had began investigating UFOs. Yeah. So Arnold arrived in Tacoma in late July with airline pli- pilot E.J. Smith. The two of them met Dahl and Chrisman, examined the boat, and conducted interviews. Dahl and Chrisman did not produce the pictures, however. Dahl also told Arnold that his son had just disappeared. <gasps> the son that had his arm hurt. No! But I will say that later it was found out that he was found waiting tables in Montana, but no one seems to know how he got there. <laughs> not even him? I, it, I, it didn't say. Yeah. Uh, he made so, just a fucking troublemaker. Right. So, I mean, if I had space rock land on, I would probably... Need a minute. Need a minute. <laughs> In Montana. <laughs> so on the afternoon of July 31st, Captain Lee Davidson and First Lieutenant Frank Brown of the U.S. Army Air Force, that's when they were still together... Oh, I never knew that. Flew up to Tacoma from Hamilton Field, California. In addition to being pilots, the two men were intelligence specialists. Okay. They met with Arnold Smith and Chrisman for several hours. One of the officers said that he thought there might have been something to the story, but that they would have to still leave around midnight. (laughs) So they were in a hurry to be at Hamilton Field on August 1st because it was the day set for the Air Force to be split from the Army. Oh, okay. They had to be there. The two officers flew out of McCord Airfield around 2 o'clock in the morning on a B-25 bomber with a crew of two other men. About 20 minutes later, the plane crashed near Centralia, Washington. Get the fuck out. The two enlisted men managed to parachute, but Davidson and Brown were killed. Oh, that seems fucking sketchy as hell. Also making them the Air Force first casualties. Okay, I see what you did there. Yeah, it's awful. So Dahl and Chrisman said that the Air Force officers took some of the strange metal on board with them. Okay. Some people thought that they heard anti-aircraft guns shoot the plane down. The local newspapers and FBI received phone calls stating that the plane was shot down to cover up information that Brown and Davidson had found while investigating this whole story. What does anti-aircraft weapons mean? Because you can't just like shoot down... A plane with like okay. a, an, a handheld gun. Oh, so they're okay. like specifically built. Big ass rocket launchers. Okay, that, gotcha. Yeah. Because of the loss of life, the Air Force broadened its investigation and the FBI launched their own. 
The Air Force investigators determined that the crash had just been a terrible accident. Of course. Mm. One of the engines was said to caught fire, and the, and the men began to bail out. Before Brown and Davidson could get out, however, a wing broke, struck the tail section, which also broke off. The plane went into a tailspin, and gravity... You know, they still could have jumped out if they had parachutes. I don't think. I think they took the fucking parachutes when they jumped. Sorry, conspiracy theory. Another Air Force investigator spoke with Dahl and Crispin and visited their boat. He stated that the damage he saw did not match the damage that the two sailors, quote unquote, described. There were no piles of metal anywhere on Maury Island, and the existing samples looked like slag from a metal smelter. Hmm. Whatever that means. It doesn't sound like aliens. Doesn't sound alien. <laughs> His conclusion matched the. That of the FBI investigator that Dahl and Crispin had faked the incident to gain publicity for a just a magazine article. That's a stretch. The FBI warned Dahl and Crispin that their hoax had not succeeded, and that and then they, if they just dropped the matter, the government would not prosecute the two men for fraud, which had resulted now in the death of two officers. Shit. At first, Dahl and Crispin went along. They made statements that the story was fake and simply refused to give interviews on the matter. Right. But a few years later, in January of 1950, Crispin stated that the incident had happened and Kenneth Arnold included Maury Island in a 1952 book, The Coming of the Saucers. It's an interesting name for a book. Right. Today, most people believe that Crispin and Dahl did fake the incident. Really? Just making this hoax that went absolutely out of control. Other people believe that the U.S. government was behind the conspiracy that may have involved anything from UFOs dumping nuclear waste in the Puget Sound. They believe a shadow government agency sabotaged the B-25 bomber in in order to essentially eliminate the investigators and be able to blame Dahl and Chrisman. Some hmm. investigators recently visited the crash site hoping to find some strange rocks and prove things one way or the other. But so far, so to the state, no answers have been found. Well, the thing of it is, I mean, if it's a, if it really happened and there was a cover-up, yep. somebody would have went and grabbed all that shit, right. whether it's lava rock falling from the well, sky wonder, or white I sh- metal. I should have looked. Not a single flashy thing in that story, though. You I had know. me set up with the men in black tees. I know. <laughs> no green people. No, no. gray people. Um, Just saucers. So... Maury Island, Washington. Is it? Oh, it's not like, it's just south of Seattle. Oh, really? Yeah. So just like a little teeny tiny island? Not really. It's no? pretty big. Do people live there? Or yeah, there it... are streets. Huh. Um. So I'll post a, uh, a screenshot of the map on our Instagram story just so you guys get an idea of exactly where it is. Because I was thinking it was like some island that was like, I mean... Not too far, but like pretty secluded so yeah. that if these things were chilling there for five minutes, more than just this guy would have seen it. Also, yeah. I want to talk to the kid. I want to talk to the kid. The fact that he just took off like that tells me something fucking happened. Right. Well, and like how bad did it hurt his arm? Yeah. If they went to the hospital. They didn't really get into that I know. At all. Poor dog. Oh, the puppy. I mean, he loses his puppy and then his son just takes off. <laughs> this poor guy. I, I don't know. I, I get the vibe that, I mean, why would they do it just to get an article published in a magazine? That's you know what I'm thing. saying? Right. And like they were just, they were just like regular everyday people. Yeah. So what would they gain from it? Yeah. You know? Nothing. Like they're loggers. I don't seem, 
I don't know. I don't feel like they're the type of people that just like want fame for fame, no. you know? And even back then, I don't know that they would have known that they would have gotten fame for fame True. from a story like this. I mean, nowadays, every Tom, Dick, and website wants to hear about yeah. your UFO sightings. But back then, I don't know. It's insane. Great story, though. Yeah, Thank you. I was, it was one of those that I kind of like accidentally, of course, found. And um, yeah, there's actually just a lot of of stuff on it like it wasn't yeah. hard to find it was really detailed too. so that's why i was like how have i never even heard of this but how did we go from like flying donuts to like the the center hole filled in with like a little dome on it i don't know i don't know maybe it was like the next version of an upgrade like a car <laughs> maybe <laughs> let's fill the middle we can put more gray men in there oh um we have some stories from listeners do you want to read one of those yes um, I'm just going to pick one at random. If you guys listening have a story that you'd like us to read on the show, send it on in at oddityfilescrew at gmail.com. This story is from Denise, and it was sent to our Gmail account. So Denise says, as a child in the 60s, I lived in Aurora, Illinois, until I was five in a haunted house. I don't know why it was haunted until I was in my 30s. My room was a big open area at the top of the stairs. From the time I was about three until we moved, there was a man who would walk up the stairs. Okay. He never did anything but walk up and down the stairs. I could handle that kind of ghost. Yeah, you know, you know his routine, yep. where he's going, where he's going to be. The first time I saw him, I ran him to my parents' room and got my dad to come get rid of the man. Of course, by the time he got up and came in there, it was gone. Usually, that's the way it works. And I was left with a really pissed off dad. (laughs) I could see my dad. He'd be like, Christina, what are you talking about? Go to bed. After that experience, I decided not to mess with telling dad about it anymore and just deal with it. The next time I saw him, I turned my light next to my bed on and he vanished. The time after that, I talked to him and told him, hey, I'm a little kid and I don't like you coming up the stairs. That's adorable, and I hope it worked. Let's find out. Um, This went on for a couple years, off and on. I learned to just tell him to bugger off, and he would go away. He was never really scary or did anything. His visits were less frequent, and over time, he quit coming. I found out he lived in the apartment before us, killed himself on a couch in the room at the bottom of the stairs. Oh, lovely. I want to know how she found that out. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the couch was still there, and it had been reupholstered by the owner of the <sighs> house. No. Ew, Clayton. Ew. Ew. <laughs> oh, that freaks me out. Supposedly, he did it because of gambling debts. The house is a big place and had three apartments in it. The third floor was one apartment. The front of the house had a first and second floor and part of the basement for their apartment. We lived in the back with the other half of the first and second floor and part of the basement. There was also a three-car garage we all shared. When it was a single-family dwelling, it was a mansion-like place. Sorry it's so long-winded. Please edit as needed. (laughs) Thank you so much, Denise. And it was just called, the subject line was just Haunted House. It just says, just use Denise for a name. Um, Wow. That's awesome. 
Yes. Sort of. But get rid of that couch. <laughs> yeah, toss that, burn it. Oh, that freaks me out. And I don't know why. It's like I literally felt like I was going to throw up when I read that. But this is what we love. Yes. Stories with a beginning, middle, and end. But still, Denise, let us know how you found out about said man. I'm assuming it was the landlord's like, oh, yeah, Bob killed himself. Couch is still in there, but I reupholstered it. Right. Everything's fine. But yeah, we love you guys' stories, and we can't get enough of them, and we are running short, guys, so get on it. Send us your stories, even if you don't want to type it out, which is hard sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like we did last week, Marjorie just recorded it on her phone and sent it to the same yeah. email, oddityfilescrew at gmail. I did forget to mention our upcoming live podcast in Richmond, Virginia on February 28th at 8.15 at GalaxyCon in room E23A. So you want to write that number down on your hand because that's a long one to remember. Yes, it is. And our Patreon, I forgot to mention. Yes, our Patreon. Which when we're done, I just want to record a quick little video for that. I have, we'll just like every once in a while, I'll come up with a question and we'll each answer it. Yeah, throw it up there. Um, yeah, so it's patreon.com slash oddity files, or if I made it today, so if you go to oddityfiles.com, click support, it takes you immediately to that page. We want to thank Doug McClock because we have to. Yes. <laughs> he signed up for the $20 amount. And I really want to give a huge shout out to Ryan Hoke. Yes. He submitted a huge amount of money and we appreciate that for him. That dollar amount wasn't even listed on there. I don't know how he did it. But Ryan Hoke has been such a great supporter. Yes, he really, of really us. has. What a neat guy. I hopefully we'll see him at a Comic Con <clears throat> again soon. We've got a show on Amazon Prime. Three seasons. Three seasons. Check out season three. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. The evidence we got. So proud of it. Rate, review, and subscribe. As always. Yeah. I got some new stickers. So I'm thinking about reenacting the whole win a prize Ooh, um, the for that. Thing, yeah. If I can do it like where it'll fit in a regular envelope and I don't have to go to the fucking post office, <laughs> I may be able to just put a stamp on it and send it. So let us know what you think about that. So yeah, this is episode 62. Two, yeah. It's insane. But you guys are fucking amazing. You really, really are. I can't even tell you how much we adore you and that you give us a chance to research fucking weird stories on the internet and tell you all about it. Also, we'll take suggestions on everything. The Twitter at Oddity Files, Instagram at Oddity Files. Uh, We're on Facebook and we have a Facebook fan group that is growing every day and we appreciate all the fun in there. I I look forward to the memes and, and weird shit that's on there all the time but it's on facebook just search for oddity files fan group click join we'll approve you yeah we we don't judge yeah but i'm kitsy duncan that's clayton abbott and you guys have been listening to oddity files weird is the new cool goodbye ghost on oddity files is an independent production intro music created by dj jimmy wah wah The opinions expressed on this show are ours and ours alone. Our logo was created by me. If you like the show and would like to support us, you can watch Oddity Files on Amazon Prime. You can buy merch at oddityfiles.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Oddity Files or on Facebook at facebook.com slash oddityfiles. You can even join our weird little Facebook group called Oddity Files Fan Group. It's a closed group, so you'll need approval. 
but we do approve everyone. Most importantly, you can help us spread the word. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell your boyfriend, tell your ex-boyfriend, tell your grandma, tell everybody, share and retweet. Just help us get the word out. We appreciate each and every one of you and couldn't do this without you. If you have a story you wanna know more about or a personal story you'd like to hear us read during an episode, email us at oddityfilescrew at gmail. If you have a corrections corner, go ahead and give us a call. It's 317-300-6699. If you have a venue you'd like us to do a live podcast at, reach out at oddityfilescrew at gmail.com. Also, take a couple minutes, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on all the major podcast apps. It also helps us get out there and in front of the public eyes. And remember, kids, weird is the new cool.